Chronicles Revisited Podcast, Episode 1, The Forgotten Desktop Publishing App, The Story of Ventura Publisher. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Chronicles Revisited Podcast. I'm S.M. Oliva. I write the blog Computer Chronicles Revisited, which reviews the people and products featured on the PBS series that aired between 1983 and 2002. In this podcast, I'll be focusing on individual stories that I've previously featured on the blog. In today's episode, I'll be looking at Ventura Publisher, a 1980s desktop application that few people today probably remember. Ventura was the product of three individuals who previously worked at Gary Kildall's Digital Research and was an attempt to utilize DRI's GEM desktop environment into an application that could allow an IBM PC and compatibles to compete with Apple's Macintosh in the new field of desktop publishing. John Meyer, one of the people behind Ventura Publisher, appeared in an October 1986 Computer Chronicles episode where he talked about the program with Stuart Chaffee and his former boss. John, how do you differentiate uh, Ventura Software, uh, Ventura Publisher, from the uh, other products such as PageMaker? There are really three separate uh, different distinctions. Number one is the speed. We had the speed to run on a standard unmodified XT and, of course, run very nicely on an AT. Second of all is we have concepts that are built in that allows a non-typesetter to get typographically correct results, even if they don't know a point from a pica two typographic terms. And third of all is we have the ability to do long documents such as technical manuals as well as shorter documents like newsletters and brochures. Meyer was not the actual programmer on Publisher. That honor fell to two other men, Don Heiskell and Lee Lorenzen. But before delving more into their background and how they came to create Ventura Publisher, it might help to briefly explain how desktop publishing got started in the first place. The term desktop publishing is usually credited to Paul Brainerd, the founder of Aldus Corporation and the creator of PageMaker, the Macintosh program that originally defined the market. Brainerd grew up in Oregon, where his parents ran a photography studio. Later, as a student at the University of Oregon in the late 1960s, Brainerd worked as a photojournalist for the student newspaper. He then moved on to the University of Minnesota for graduate school. There, Brainerd earned a master's degree in journalism and worked as a production manager for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. It was during his tenure at the Tribune in the 1970s that Brainerd first started working with computer-based typesetting and page layout. The Tribune was one of the first newspapers to use a mini-computer-based system produced by a company called Atex. Brainerd became so adept with the Atex machine, he ended up joining the company in 1980 to head up a new division based in Seattle, Washington, that would develop the next generation of text processing systems for microcomputers. Alas, that project didn't last long. In 1983, Eastman Kodak purchased Atex and shut down Brainerd's Seattle division. Now out of work, he decided to start a new company that would develop a newspaper layout system for micros. Brainerd and some of his ex-Atex colleagues started Aldus Corporation in 1984, just when Apple's Macintosh debuted. PageMaker came out in July 1985. While Brainerd originally planned to sell the software to daily newspapers, his market research found a much more lucrative audience with smaller publishers and organizations looking to produce their own newsletters in-house, such as churches and schools. With Apple's support, PageMaker became the first killer app for the Macintosh, which had struggled to gain a foothold in the business market against the dominant IBM PC platform. But because PageMaker was initially a Macintosh exclusive, that left an opening in the market for someone to try and put out a PC-based desktop publishing app. In 1985, this was still almost entirely a DOS-based audience. Microsoft's Windows would not make its market debut until the end of the year. And when it did, it didn't exactly set the world on fire. Meanwhile, Gary Kildall's digital research had released GEM, its own graphical user interface, which ran on top of DOS. 
Lee Lorenzen was one of the programmers who developed Jim. He talked about his work on a March 1985 Computer Chronicles episode. This is the Jim desktop, which actually provides a visual look at the filing system, the underlying filing system of DOS, which is, it essentially replaces the A greater than, which is a difficult concept for users to, to uh, use. Lorenzen started his career at Xerox and actually followed his manager there to digital research, initially to work on the CPM operating system. Later, Lorenzen worked in the computer graphics group under Don High School. While working on GEM, the two men started developing what they initially described as a high-end word processor that could handle graphics. In other words, a desktop publishing program, although Paul Brainerd hadn't publicly coined the phrase yet. John Raleigh, Digital Research's president, wasn't interested in the idea, so Lorenzen and High School decided to leave and start their own company. It was a friendly departure. Lorenzen and High School would end up licensing the rights to the GEM interface to use in their still undeveloped application. As they were programmers and not business people, the pair asked another digital research colleague, John Meyer, to join them. Meyer had a background in engineering and product marketing before coming to DRI. He initially joined the company to manage its hardware group before he was later elevated to director of marketing. The three men resigned from digital research in the summer of 1985 and formed their new company in October under the name Ventura Software Incorporated. Their plan was to have a working prototype of their desktop publishing app ready for the fall 1985 Comdex show, which was just six weeks away. This truncated timetable was one reason that Lorenzen and High School wanted to build their app on top of GEM. They already knew the software well, and more importantly, understood how it could most efficiently use limited PC resources for a graphics-intensive application. Lorenzen later explained that Windows was not usable at this time and required at least 325 kilobytes of memory out of the 640 available on high-end PCs of the time. Conversely, GEM only required 24 kilobytes to run the application. High School and Lorenzen managed to complete their working prototype for Comdex. John Meyer conducted demos for a number of potential customers, including Xerox and Eastman Kodak, out of a hotel suite during the conference. Xerox ended up signing a deal to be the exclusive distributor of what was now dubbed Ventura Publisher in exchange for an annual $5 million non-refundable advance against royalties. Xerox initially sold the 1.0 release for $895 under the full name of Xerox Desktop Publishing Series Ventura Publisher Edition. According to Lee Lorenzen, the name Ventura was actually their second choice. The first choice was Ventana, the Spanish word for window, but it was already in use by another software program. So the group opted for Ventura, which meant good fortune. Ventura Publisher, I won't use the full Xerox name, garnered positive reviews from the initial release. InfoWorld was impressed with the overall speed of the program, running on a PC-AT with an EGA card. Another magazine said that while Publisher was a complex program, it was very intuitive to use and worked well on a K-Pro. Of course, there were complaints. One reviewer noted that there was no undo command, and any changes to the hardware configuration, such as adding a new printer, required reinstalling the entire program, which came on 11 5.25-inch floppy disks. But the Ventura team quickly put out a 1.1 release, a $100 upgrade for existing users, that addressed many of these concerns. This was followed by a 2.0 release in fall 1988, which featured support for creating tables inside of documents. Ventura Publisher 2.0 was likely the program's high watermark. It was now the clear leader in DOS-based desktop publishing software, even outselling Aldous's PageMaker port to the PC. According to John Meyer, Xerox shipped 200,000 copies alone in 1987. And with the 2.0 release came two, what we could call expansion packs, for publisher. The first was Professional Extension, 
a $600 program that added expanded memory support and other features. The second add-on was Network Server, a $1,300 program that enabled multiple users to work on the same document concurrently over a local area network. This latter product apparently proved too costly for most customers, and Xerox ended up selling a bundled three-pack that included licenses for three copies of Publisher together with Network Server for just under $1,000. The problem was that beyond these expansions, Ventura Software didn't have any other products in development. As 1989 began, Xerox pushed Ventura to port Publisher to other platforms, notably Microsoft Windows, which was finally starting to gain traction, as well as IBM's OS 2. With respect to the latter, Xerox actually announced a Ventura Publisher port for OS 2 at the April 8, 1989 Comdex show. And that October, Xerox decided to spin off the internal unit that had been marketing Publisher into a new standalone business called Xerox Desktop Software, which would be headed by an executive from outside the industry named Larry Gerhardt. Gerhardt was apparently not too happy with what he considered Ventura Software's cushy deal, which continued to guarantee the developer $5 million per year in royalties without any incentives to bring new products to the market. On the other hand, industry analysts and observers felt Ventura Publisher had become stagnant due to a lack of support from Xerox. One analyst said, The challenge Xerox has always had is that if any other company had the Ventura product, they would have made a success of it. From Ventura Software's standpoint, they were a small company that had little desire to expand. Aside from the three founders, Meyer, Heiskell, and Lorenzen, there were just two other employees, a third software engineer, and an administrative assistant. The three engineers kept the publisher code updated, while Meyer, the CEO, wrote the documentation himself. It was after the 1989 Comdex show, however, that the partnership started to unravel. According to Lorenzen, John Meyer suggested during a card ride back from the show that they might want to hire more people and start building a larger software company. High School took the opposite view. He was content to remain a small one-product operation. Lorenzen said he had no interest in spending the next few years mediating between these two very strong individuals. Fortunately for them, Xerox's Larry Gerhardt offered to acquire the source code and intellectual property rights to Ventura Publisher for $18 million. The Ventura partners took the money and ran, in a manner of speaking. They actually continued in business for a few more months under the name DLJ Software Incorporated, which was a combination of the first initials of the three co-founders' first names. This allowed them to wrap up work on the 3.0 release of Ventura Publisher for GEM, Windows, and OS 2. Meanwhile, Xerox had a separate team prepare a Macintosh port. But once that work was done, DLJ software dissolved for good in October of 1990. Xerox then decided to go all in on the Ventura brand, renaming its Xerox desktop software subsidiary Ventura Software Incorporated. Unlike the original five-person company, the new Ventura Software had 180 employees working out of a 57,000-square-foot facility in San Diego, California. In 1991, the new Ventura introduced version 4.0 of Publisher, along with a database program. But Xerox really wasn't in the desktop consumer software business for the long haul. By the early 1990s, there were word processing programs like Microsoft Word that were starting to match the capabilities of Ventura Publisher, and which were easier to use to boot. In August 1993, Xerox threw in the towel, selling all of its rights to Ventura Publisher and associated intellectual property to Corel Corporation for $10 million, $8 million less than what Xerox had paid the original Ventura partners three years earlier. Following the sale, the new Ventura quickly closed its doors for good. Ottawa, Ontario-based Corel 
would release one final version of Ventura Publisher based on the original source code, renamed Corel Ventura 4.2, in 1993. The following year, Corel completely revamped the program and released Corel Ventura 5.0. In 1997, Corel skipped a version number for the first 32-bit release, Corel Ventura 7.0. Corel continued to develop the program until a final 10.0 release in 2002, before merging what was left of Ventura into the company's flagship software, Corel Draw Graphics Suite, which continues to be sold today. As a postscript, while Publisher had a relatively short life as an independent application, it ended up lasting about as long as PageMaker on the market. Going back to my earlier story of Paul Brainerd and Aldis Corporation, PageMaker was such a smash hit that Brainerd was able to take the company public on the stock exchange in June 1987. But that would turn out to be the beginning of the end for Brainerd. He later said he disliked running a public company, as he spent less time talking to customers and working with his engineers. So almost immediately after the IPO, he told his board to start putting together a succession plan. It took a few years, but in March 1994, Adobe Corporation acquired Aldis in a $525 million stock swap. Adobe effectively absorbed Aldis. It was, however, a natural pairing. Adobe famously developed the PostScript printer language, that made it possible for programmers like PageMaker to work on the Macintosh's LaserWriter printer in the first place. And while Adobe's Photoshop dominated the image software market, the company lacked a strong presence in desktop publishing. But Adobe's long-term plan was to replace PageMaker with its own desktop publishing suite, InDesign, which debuted in 1999. Adobe then quietly stopped development on PageMaker in 2001. And that's all for this episode of the Chronicles Revisited podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode, there are links in the show notes. You can also visit my website, Computer Chronicles Revisited, at smoliva.blog. That's S-M-O-L-I-V-A dot blog. This episode was adapted from a blog post I published in September 2022, and it contains more on the story of PageMaker and some other desktop publishing programs featured on Computer Chronicles. In my next episode, I'll be diving into the stories of some early mom-and-pop companies that made their mark on the early business software market. Talk to you guys.